All right, welcome back to Lake Effect Sports, episode like 14-ish, maybe only 13. I want to start off by just saying hi to the haters, all the Indians haters, all season long. They've doubted us. Look at us. 10 games over 500. Look at us. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? But, I mean, that's the best way to say it. We're 10 games over 500. The best Indians start since what? early 2000s but at least now more than 2007 because we keep winning so what else does this team have to do matt to finally get a little bit more respect from their fans that is a great question um i I mean this team we've talked about it all year this team is a resilient bunch this is the type of team that cleveland supposedly would love but yet it's like it just goes out one year out the other and you don't really hear about it but like this team in a way has been so like under the radar that it's kind of scary when you think about it, that this team, despite injuries to their starters, basically pitching bullpen games one out of five, four, uh, five times a week are still able to keep winning and are now like an earshot of the wild card and still competing in the division. Like it's incredible. And th- that's the, this is a triple A starting rotation right now. You know, maybe if you want to count Cal is not a part of it. It's Savoli plus four, like basically AAA guys at this point. They just keep winning. Um, I know we've had kind of an easy schedule here, but the schedule doesn't get harder for a little bit. I mean, not till mid-July. So we've got an easy rest of this month. They can rack together some wins, get healthy by the All-Star break. Then you have your tough competition. See where you are as a team. But for now, you just keep winning. This is what we said Last two weeks, like, this is the most important stretch of probably the entire season. Because if they struggle here, you kind of have to look to start selling because you can't beat these bad teams. Hey, you go on a win streak here. Now you're a buyer at buyer at the offseason or midseason. Yeah, like, this stretch was so important. Like, 31 games in 30 days. Um, a lot of it was against teams that are under 500, which have been the team that has given us the most problems. And now they're playing their best ball. Like, offensively, the bats are starting to wake up a little bit. Like, they're kind of helping helping the starting staff and the bullpen, which has been the strength of this team. And, like, I'm ready to see what this team can be when it's healthy, like with Birdo back, with Fleasack back, with, like, all, all the guys that have been hurt, Fran Mill back. Like, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see when this team is at full strength now. Like, it's, it's exciting. Yeah, going back to what you said about kind of the bats being up the pitching – Savali went out in his last start. We were, everyone was talking. He needs to have a great start. He needs to give the bullpen a rest. He doesn't go out and throw his best game, five innings, five runs. Not really his best stuff. The bats save him. It was so nice to see a pitcher go his five innings, maybe not the best start, and still get a win. And he wasn't the best pitcher there today. And the bats were able to win for you. It's so nice to see something like that. Yeah, that, that's been so key in this whole stretch. Like, Maybe it is the Bobby uh, Bradley effect where just that constant threat of like an RBI there in him just hitting bombs, getting RBIs and kind of just like hit like hit along with the other guys stringing together hits like they're just the offense is just coming together. Yeah, no doubt about it. But as great as this offense is, we do have to recognize this is a bad stretch of games that we've been playing. I do think we need to upgrade the bats who, and really starting pitchers, I, we could use an upgrade just about anywhere, except the bullpen seems fine. Mm-hmm. Who are some guys that you are really looking at, like, we could go pick them up? Um, 
I do. I did see that starters wise. I think uh, Kyle Gibson from the, the Texas Rangers was one. You could maybe package him up with, say, like Willie Calhoun or Joey Gallo if the Rangers are just completely just giving up and selling everything. And like maybe that's kind of the one I thought of that first popped in my head. But like they just need like an outfielder and maybe an extra starting pitcher just to round out the rotation and just one more bat for the outfield. Yeah, the two guys I really want us to go for are Starlin Marte who's a guy who's never really been overpaid in his entire career. So even if he does come, he's one of those guys that you could almost think about saying, giving him 10 to 12 over two to three years, and you might be able to keep him in the outfield. Might. Wouldn't be, won't be shocked if we couldn't. And I don't think it will cost too much for the, Mar- uh, the Marlins. So you could give them some young prospect bats, which they really need. We could give them someone like a Jimenez. I wouldn't give touch a Nolan Jones or a Tyler Freeman or uh Who's the cat? The great catching prospect, uh, Bo uh, Bo Naylor. Like Bo, uh, I wouldn't John- touch any of those. Nothing like that. But I'm willing to risk a couple fringe top prospects. Yeah, like this. The farm system has a gluttony of like middle infielders that the Indians could just offer up if they feel like they need a tr- trade for a player. Like they got to just clear up that space because they're not all of these guys are going to make make it on the Indians. They'll make it all the, elsewhere, but since you have all these assets, you, you can potentially trade for a, a piece that is so needed, like for this lineup. The only guy I think I'd be willing to give up someone that's considered a top prospect would be like a Kettle Marte. If we could get someone like that from a, from a team, then that's a whole different story. Cause a team even like, I'm trying to think of like great players that could become sold. Like even the Cardinals could easily become sellers here soon but they're not going to yeah. give up an Arenado. They got like 10 more years with that guy, things like that. For sure. Yeah. Like you just kind of have to look for the, the obvious ones, maybe like the Orioles with Santander or maybe train Mancini. You can make, or like you could look at the, the Rangers and see what their situation is because they're going to, the, these are guys that just, these are teams that just need prospects. Their, their, their farm system is so deplenished that, that they might just take the best offer and just run with it. Like, they don't even care. That That's one of the weird things. I was seeing on The Athletic that they were talking about selling even Cedric Mullins and John Means, which oh, yeah. that seems kind of dumb. I, if we if Cedric Mullins is on the market, though, that's definitely someone I'd be more than willing to go give an offer. I think, I think because it, uh, Cedric Mullins was maybe offered because of age, because I think he's like 26, 27, and by the time he's – going to be done with the Orioles like from his arbitration years it'll be like around 30 so if you offer the right package maybe you get a guy for like the next three or four years to be your center fielder and he would be perfect like he's definitely someone I'm willing to give basically anyone that's in the minor leagues right now Tyler Freeman's probably the one untouchable guy I think as of now and some starting pitchers like young Logan Allen like but Nolan Jones who's really kind of struggled since getting to triple a I'd be more than willing talking about moving him. For sure. Like it, it just depends on like, maybe it's not like Tyler Freeman or Gabriel Arias. They're just right on the cusp, but maybe it's like Nolan Jones, uh, Rocky O, who's the one guy in like single A I'm blanking, but like, I'm just those type of guys that are just years away that are, that, you know, are going to be great for a a team like the Orioles are just desperate for talent. Yeah. So I'm fine with all of that. 
Good, definitely have to make a move. Moral of the story. This seems <laughs> kind of, it's way too competitive now. We've been, if we're sitting around 500, the, well, the hardest part even with this Indians team is, who do you even sell? Jose has way too much contract left. Bieber's got too much contract left. Savali has too much contract left. Maybe Fran Mills, the one guy you could think about moving, or like Cesar or Eddie, but you're not going to get anything for them. Yeah, the, the obvious two would probably be Caesar and Eddie just because they're the most expendable. And you got guys in the minors that are waiting, like with, like I said, Arias and Freeman. And like you got a bunch of outfielders that could take his spot next year. Maybe Harold could be the starting left fielder next year. Like, like that, that's the thing. Like, yeah, they're the most expendable to me. So I think they're the most obvious. Yeah, no doubt about that. So let's get into the triple arm. Three stars of the week. Just kind of mixing up my little <laughs> verbiage of the number three. So, <laughs> three stars of the week. You've got first pick. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I come on. All right. Don't. Th- we all know the first pick. Just take him. <laughs> first pick. Uh, did you have a mid as your first pick? No. Thank you. Um, take him. Take him. Yeah, a mid has been is my first pick, honestly, because he's been one of the hottest hitters since late April, like he he's hitting well over uh, 300 during this stretch. He has been like one of our best RBI leaders at the top, top of the order, just constantly driving in runs once when he has the opportunity, like he's been like one of our best hitters and like, he's been such a pleasant surprise. It's, it's awesome to see. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. Great first pick. But, I mean, I thought the obvious first pick was Bobby Bradley, who just came up and started oh, mashing baseballs. dude, dude, I should have picked him. I should have picked him. You're I, right. I'll just take – thank you. I'll let Bobby Bradley fall to me. Um, I doubted him. Hand up. I was wrong. I <laughs> think I said it last week. I'll say it again. He is still mashing baseballs. He's got an OPS plus over 1,000. What, 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 what do we need this? I, I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words with Bobby Bradley. He's so much better than – Excuse me, I expected. He's he's that power bat we needed. He's a great first baseman and a power bat. He's a better fielder than or just as good a fielder as uh, Jake Bowers, who has an OPS of 800 in Seattle. That sucks. Just very annoying. Just gotta say it, that. What it is, it's the it's the Mar- Marlins. It let him be, let him be. But you're right. You're right. Bobby Bradley has probably exceeded a lot of people's expectations. Some people thought he would be maybe like, hopefully something like Fran Mill or maybe like a Joey Gallo who, who makes a bunch of hard contact, but just can't get his average up or whatever. But he's, his average is well beyond that. And he's seeing pitches. Well, he's being patient. He's slapping balls to left field. When, if he gets his like hands on it, like he's, he's, that he's home run out to, uh, left field as well. Yeah. Like for sure. It's just, it's been incredible. Like <laughs> the fact that he has just done, look more mature as a hitter like it's obvious that he learned from his experience the first time and kind of has taken those lessons from triple a to here and he just seems more relaxed and is just having fun it's awesome to see that's exactly the best way to put it he's more relaxed i think when he was down in triple a he just had all of like i guess the weight of the world on his shoulders where he just was just nervous really like he wanted to get back to the majors so badly. He had such a great spring training where he really did deserve the starting spot. And now he's just kind of like, well, what else do I have to do? And he's given, given the opportunity. Like he said, he's, it feels like he's playing 12 year old, like travel baseball again, where it's just fun. 
He's having fun. And I love to see it. Yeah. Like when Jake Bowers left, it just felt like that competition and that weight of, of the world just fell off his shoulders because you knew that this is his job. And if he took it in row with it, it was his for as long as he can have it. And it's great to see that he's just mashing balls right now. Yep. No doubt. Second pick, Matt. Uh, second pick, second pick. Um, can I just give it to the bullpen? The bullpen. Ah, take, take, take one. I don't have a lot of picks. Their bats have been great. I, you know what? I'll, I'll give you the bullpen because I'm going to take a cheap pick next. So go ahead. Yeah, the, the bullpen has just stepped up. Like they, ever since uh, Shane Bieber went down, you kind of wonder how they were going to all piece this together. And you've seen from like the Phil Matons, the Sam Hendricks, Trevor Steffens, all the way up to like our big three and Shaw, Klasse and Karinchek, they've just taken and run with it. Like, I think I saw something that uh, I think Brian Shaw had mentioned, like some of the guys were down kind of understanding the gravity of losing Bieber, but he kind of just was like, Hey, you, we know what we're going to have to do now. We, the reality is we're going to have to step up for these young guys that probably aren't going to pitch deep in the game. So us as a collective have to be that guy for a little bit. And that's why they're my number two. I'm going to comment one thing on it. Brian Shaw is on alert. My, oh, like, no. my meter for Brian Shaw, I want to say I still like him right now. I do. I'm on alert. I'm, I'm ready for him to break my heart again. And I'm ready to start hating him again. Just saying, he's on alert. He has looked shaky in his last few outings. He's given up runs. Don't want to call him a sticky tack guy, but I'm not calling <laughs> him it. Just putting it out there. that He's kind for of sure. For sure. But bullpen overall, great. Yes, no doubt about it. All right, my second pick, I'm going, again, you took a cheap pick, so I'm allowed to take a cheap pick. So I'm doing JC Mejia slash uh, Cal Quantrill. Both okay. of them combined, they went out there after having terrible starts. I was like, this is this is the little bandages we're putting together as a starting rotation. And they had great bounce back starts. They were able to do exactly what they were asked. They didn't make it to the five innings, but that's not what Terry Francona wanted from them. So mm-hmm. glad to see that. Just giving it to those two. Two quality, not quality starts, it was four innings, but quality opening, opener roles, I guess is how I would like to call it. Yeah. They're kind of doing what the Rays have done the last couple years of just being like openers that can just kind of bridge the gap between like just bridge it to three or four innings, get it to these guys and then get it to our setup and closer guys. And they did their job. Great to see. Hopefully. No doubt about it. And another guy who kind of stepped up in that little bridge role has been Nick Sandlin. Since you already take, taking the pen, I'm going to bring and Sandlin has just been money. He's we had we call it the big three with Shaw Classe, Garen Jack. Are we we gotta start calling it almost a big four, right? Sandlin's been elite in whatever role he's been in this year. So I just want to say that it's a big four from now on. Okay, I'll duly noted. Uh my pick, right? Yep. Okay. Um I'll give it to Jose. Jose, man. Just the stud, the MVP of our team, like the guy that's just been like Mr. Reliable, Mr. Clutch, like you can't say enough words. Like he should be more appreciated in this town for what he is. Like like he was the 
I, I obviously everybody will say it now, but he's still probably the way better player than Frankie was. He almost was overshadowed yet was still the better player than Frankie, just because he's like five ten, kind of awkward, kind of it doesn't. Well, I, I wouldn't say speak English well, but he just is. He just doesn't have that appealing like nature about him. That, but yet he's he's the best player on our team. And he's so fun. Well, and just just disregarding the fact he's way better than Lindor, he has more home runs than Lindor has RBIs this year. I saw that, that alone. After, <laughs> like, how is that possible? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just so much better. I mean, Ahmed Rosario is better than him. That's plain and simple. So he's fun. We just like the play that one of those big hustle plays. You've seen it all over social media where he takes a single, he stretches it into a triple because of a mishap from the Orioles. He's sitting there, he's falling all over. He's got that long blonde, like dyed blonde hair. He's got his helmet falling off. He's a fun guy. Just the way he plays the game is fun. He struts his stuff all the way, always on the baseball field. I think he just needs, you're right. He needs more respect. He needs to be that dude in Cleveland the Cavs don't have that dude and I don't think they're going to for at least two to three years maybe Sexton or Garland could become that dude uh the Browns have some guys who are potential dudes Miles Garrett is a dude Nick Chubb is a dude everyone wants Baker to be a dude he's not a dude spoiler Jose needs to be on that level of dudes a 10th court best quarterback in the league is not a dude I didn't want that I saw that face he's not a dude he's could but be he's not top 10 in lead you to a playoffs. We it's been it's happened before. If, if you're a top 10 QB, you, you lead them to the Super Bowl. So is, is Joe Flacco that dude? Is he a dude? I mean, he probably played a little over his head, but I don't think he's Joe Flacco. I don't think he's Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco's not a dude. Joe, yes, you can take an average, above average quarterback to Super Bowl. Doesn't mean they're the dude. We have dude, I've said dude at least like. 15 times in this past five minutes but jose ramirez is that dude you're right for sure and yeah like he needs more respect bottom line like all the haters out there give jose his respect at least no doubt about it all right so my third pick i can't believe i'm gonna get him this late eddie rosario he matched baseballs this week he is the eddie rosario that we paid for we actually went and signed him. I was shocked when we did that to begin with. He's now hitting over 250. He's hitting home runs now. He's been an RBI machine all year. And he's been a cons- one of the few consistent outfielders. He made like one or two errors this year. That's going to happen in this grand scheme of a year. He's been pretty consistent out there, much better than anything that's been going on in right field for defense. Naylor makes a couple crazy plays every once in a while. Everything else, pretty scary. I kind of like what's happening out there in left field. Yeah, like he is turning into what I said, the most consistent outfielder. Once he gets on a roll and is mashing home runs and driving in RBIs, he's going to be a be a key piece to this roster. Like, even when he wasn't at his be- best early in the year, he was still driving in runs. And now he's starting to heat up, which is great to see. Yeah, I mean, that's plain and simple. He's heating up. The whole lineup's really heating up. Shout out to all of them. Everyone's stepping up, even to guys like Zimmer. He had a bad game yesterday. But throughout, he's been a pretty consistent nine hitter. We've we've got a, we've got a major league lineup now. And moral of the story. So, yep. again, some NBA talk. Um, playoffs have kind of been amazing. And there's one, one series in particular, I think, that's been the best, in my opinion. Bucks nuts. <laughs> yes. It's 
it's been the best one so far, to, like, and also the most frustrating because the Bucks are probably the most frustrating playoff team I've ever seen from uh, Bud, Bud being kind of inept at times, uh, Giannis having his issues some at moments and just like, but yet they're still in it. They forced a game seven. Like they, that just shows how talented they are. But like, it should yeah. be over though. This series should be done. They should have taken game five, destroyed like they did in game six, and we shouldn't even be talking about a game seven right now. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I legit thought the Nets were going to take game six, but yet the Net, the Bucks somehow, some way forced it, So, which was good to see. But, like, I'm, I'm kind of curious what they're going to do with game seven. I mean, the old saying always goes, playoffs, playoff series doesn't start till they win one on the road. The Nets can keep this going. They haven't won one on the road. They're going to have to down the road. Bucks want to start the playoffs. You got to win one on the road. This is that big game. If they can win this game seven, it's kind of, this is kind of one of those big who's the best player in the league games. You know what I mean? Where Kevin yeah. Durant has been the better, the best player in this series. There's no doubt about it. But if Giannis is able to pull this Bucks through to, to the Eastern Conference Finals, now you're kind of starting to talk about him being the best player in the league especially with Kawhi now being out for the rest of this playoffs. He's not going to get into that conversation as much. So this is one of those games where it's a legacy game people always talk about, but it kind of is for these guys. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like this will define legacies because Giannis has had the narrative around him that he's not a true number one, that in that his style won't lead lead the, the Bucks anywhere, not even close, snip the finals. And if he pulls it out and gets them at least in the conference finals, and I feel he'll, he'll win he'll win that and get to the finals, he, can, he gets validated because he's kind of always been very polarizing because he's not like a traditional type of player. And sometimes people don't know how to feel about him. Like I've always thought he was talented. It just was always like, can he get to the peak? Can he get to the mountaintop? And it was kind of nice to see in game six, he didn't try to be someone he wasn't. If you've, I don't know, there's a stat that was put out that each game so far this series, his average shot distance has been lower and lower and lower. It was only 5.2 feet in this past game. He's not a three-point shooter. And you know what? People always say once Giannis gets this three-point shot, I think we're kind of getting past the point of Giannis might not ever get a three-point shot. He is maybe just what he is. And it's pretty amazing. And he's just been overshadowed because he doesn't have that three-point shot. He can get to the hoop better than just about any guy in the league. He's just got to go do that. Who's going to stop him? Kevin Durant is way too small. He's got the length to hang with him. He cannot stop Giannis. Giannis, get to the hoop and score some points. Besides that, one other thing I wanted to bring up was the Bucks' offense in the second half of games. Oh boy. There's no offense. It's just... They run this great team offense, swinging around, P.J. Tucker hitting threes in the first half, Drew Holiday getting into the paint, maybe Brooke Lopez hopefully knocking down shots. He's been pretty atrocious this series. But once they get to that second half, it is dribble, dribble, dribble. It feels kind of like those LeBron and Kyrie teams where when you lose those type of games, you'd get frustrated because there was no ball movement. Do you kind of feel that same way? I definitely uh, – it's very noticeable, and, it's, and it seems like it's panicking. Like, they're trying to – like, if, say, the Nets are kind of, like, crawling their way back, they kind of panic to where they like, oh, we got to make a shot right now. And it's always early in the shot clock, if you notice. Like, 
Uh, Middleton will try to put up a shot like three seconds in. Like Giannis will sometimes uh, do a turnaround or a pull up a three pointer or just something to try to like keep the barrage from like uh, overtaking their lead. And like that's kind of what it seems like to me. They're panicking and fidgety. Like they don't want the lead to be lost. Like they're playing. They're playing not to lose. They're like they should be playing to win, not to lose. That's exactly what it is. They they need to find a true closer for this team. I think that's what this team really lacks. They don't have a guy that late in games that they're going to give the ball to and just say, this is your team. It is obviously Giannis's team, but they both, he and Middleton kind of just swing it around to each other. And it doesn't feel like someone has like the, I want this. This is my, I want to take these next five straight shots. No one else is going to touch the ball and I'm going to go, go get mine there. You, that's kind of my take on it, I guess. Yeah. And you've kind of seen with, with Middleton in game six, like, if he's making his shots and kind of keeping the nets at bay, like, and Giannis is doing his thing, getting to the paint, making layups, like they're they can handle the nets. The nets are are KD, a hobbled Harden who who looks like he's not he's operating at ninety percent, and a bunch of other dudes. Like if they can just do what they are capable of doing, they can win Game Seven. I, I agree. Speaking of another game that series, let's just stay in the East. That might go to seven. Oh my god! <laughs> we, we 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 talked about it just off off offline. The 76ers had the worst collapse I have ever seen in like a playoff basketball game. They, I don't know what's wrong with that team. Maybe it's Ben Simmons. Maybe it's Joe Embiid getting tired late in games. They're getting destroyed. They're not the better team, plain and simple. I've been kind of just trying to convince myself they are, but they're just not. I don't think it's they're not the better team, but they don't, like, they just aren't taking the Hawks seriously enough. Like, they kind of tried to cruise in that that ha- second half around, like, third quarter or so, I thought, okay, game's over. And then Lou, Lou Williams just starts making shots, and then Trey Young just does his thing. And then all of a sudden, it's like a 10-point game, five-point game. Next thing you know, they take the lead. And it's all in a matter of like 20 minutes. And, it, and it, it's just like, did you guys take them seriously at all? Because now you, you've gotten to the point where you're on the verge of being eliminated. Like, you should be winning against this team. Like, the Hawks are a good team, but they're not as good as what you're supposed to be. Like, Embiid's an MVP. Ben Simmons is a, a all-defensive all player and one of the – better like point guards in the league like why isn't it clicking like why my big thing that i think i've really noticed yon um just kind of fades away real hard in the second half maybe that's because he didn't play like the full season of getting his legs right keeping his cardio and conditioning up i think you have to play dwight howard more Hmm. it's not that Embiid is significantly a million times better than Dwight. He is. It's, it's obvious. But Dwight's held his own down there. He's given them great defensive minutes, and he's been a nice little offensive spark plug. Give him more than, like, nine minutes a game so Embiid doesn't have to play 40. He can't. He's proven that now. One, he's risking an injury that's, at any point, that dude's body can just coll- collapse and it's over. Maybe at this point, play him 35 minutes instead. Give him some rest in the late second halves. Begin, uh, ends of third quarter so he can go that full fourth quarter 
that's kind of my thought, really. I don't know. Yeah, like he's operating on a torn uh, meniscus, like which is incredible to think about that he's still playing at that high of a level. But you're right. You, they probably need to like nurse him as much as they can, especially when they were in the middle of that huge league. You could maybe keep Dwight Howard in for like five, five or six more minutes to like at least give Joel a breather because like you can't risk it with him being in, out there that long because of the injury and what could possibly happen if you lose him entirely. Yeah. And one last thing from you, if you got more, go ahead. But is Ben Simmons even left-handed? He, he said his, before in interviews, he's a natural right-handed right-hander and he does everything else right-handed. I don't, I don't. Tristan Thompson is just switch hands because he just, everything looks so awkward for him and he doesn't any shoot anyway. So who cares if you switch to your right hand, maybe try it out. Like it's crazy and it sounds dumb that I'm even saying it, but maybe he is actually right-handed. I I am left-handed and I definitely can notice a left-hander when I see it. And he operates with his wrong hand and it's just so obvious like that he, he I think he may feel he's ambidextrous, but he's not. Like he's a, definitely a lefty. And if he wanted to do the Tristan thing where he switched hands, I would – I would definitely recommend it because like you can't be shooting 32% from the line. If you shot 50%, I think you could live with that, but 32% where you're just uh, a liability worse than like Shaq was like, like Shaq could overcome being a bad free throw shooter. Your half court game is not that good to where you can't like shoot this bad from the free throw line. Like you just can't. I could go out there right now and shoot three for 10 from the free throw line left-handed. I just could. I'm not lefty. It's not that hard. I go out there in an NBA game, and I genuinely think I could go six for ten from the line. Give me a couple times. Give me like a week or two to make sure I get that form down and everything. For sure. But but I think I could do it. How are NBA players this bad from the free throw line? It has to be all in their head. T and Giannis are just mental midgets at the free throw line. They have to be because, like, Giannis, like, he shoots around 68 to 72%. That's not bad. And Embiid, uh, not Embiid, but Simmons is like around 50. So like they have to be all in their head at this point. Cause like at, at this point, there's no other adjustment than, Hey, trust your ability to make free throws. Cause it's, it's, you're not functional out there. You're basically playing yourself out of the game. And the big thing I really think with Giannis, he needs to just get off the line quicker. Don't be there for 10, 12 seconds. I mean, you're technically not even allowed to be there that long. Get up, take three dribbles, shoot the ball. Nothing else. Don't sit there, wait, breathe 10 times, go through this long routine. You're just psyching yourself out. Sit there. One, two, three. Don't even look at the hoop yet. Get it? Look at the hoop. Shoot. That's it. Plain and simple. That's all it should be. Yeah, it reminds me of, like, LeBron's ever-changing routine throughout his his career where he always tried to find something different that would work, but except on steroids and on, and much worse. Like it's just, it's getting to his head and he just needs to like simplify his process. Exactly. So one more series and this is life or death for the jazz. They, they might have to kind of blow things up if they don't get through this team without Kawhi Leonard. I think they were almost the better team when Kawhi Leonard was there, but that was an embarrassing game six loss. Oh, yeah. They need to figure something out now. 
They need to hit their shots tonight, and they need to beat the Clippers, plain and simple. Yeah, because at this point, playoff P has now reemerged as now a competent playoff performer. Like, he's playing like he, he's back in with the Pacers. Like, he looks like that same guy he was when he took on LeBron back in his heat days. Like, that, like that, <laughs> you can't just let, let the one guy beat you. You're one of the best. You're the number one seed. And you wanted to prove that you could be getting to the finals with this group. You're the deepest team in the West. Play like it. My big thing, Donovan Mitchell needs to step up right now. He's had a couple real bad games in this series. He doesn't have Kawhi Leonard on him. He's got to go for 40 tonight. That's it. Go out there and get a bucket. Get to the hoop. Knock down your shots. He's got to be that guy. He needs to win these next two games, get them to the Western Conference Finals, and then face, I'm going to say, it's a worse Suns team. The Suns are good. Very good. They might not have Chris Paul for a game even, though. A whole other thing. Don't want Yeah, that's that's a mess. That situation let's, is just a mess. Let's ignore that stupidity, What every, every part of it. Get to the Western Conference Finals. Try to make an NBA Finals. This is the Jazz' best chance. This is their best chance. I don't know if they'll ever have a chance this great again because you're never going to get a free agent to come to Utah. And the Lakers are going to be much better next year, I assume. They're probably going to go pick someone up. And I bet another team in the West goes and makes a move. It's now or never. For sure. Yeah, this is your this is your window. And, like, you don't want to shut it on yourself. Like, you got to step up. That, that's all I got to say on that one. Yeah. All right. So, last thing for the show. NBA draft lottery. I I hate this season. I don't have hope that the Cavs. I just see the Cavs getting the eighth pick, seventh, eighth pick, and just kind of being sad and miserable. So, can you can you give me some positivity? You're, you're, you always have something. Um, I think this is definitely one of the deeper drafts that we've ever seen. I think you don't necessarily have to be the number one pick to be winning the, the draft lottery necessarily. Uh, obviously there's Cade. Then there's like Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, uh, Jonathan Kaminga, Jalen Suggs, if they want to go in that direction. Then there's like Moses Moody. There's like, well, there's a bunch of different directions they can go into. Even if they fall out and say they're the seventh, there's still a really good player that you can pick up that can subsidize the core of this team. And with their plan of trying to like get better and maybe try to push for a playoff spot, I, I think there's still an opportunity to get a really good player in this, even if it's not the number one overall pick. I'm, I think all year I've definitely been in the mindset that it's Cade Cunningham is the easy number one draft pick. And I know we have Jared Allen and stuff, but I kind of want Evan Mobley. I okay. see him as one of those Joel Embiid type guys who are centers are kind of making their resurgence in the league. It's becoming a big man league again. I think he can be that type of guy. He can step out and shoot the three. He's an elite, elite defender. Mm-hmm. I don't see a weakness in his game. I think there's more weaknesses in Cade Cunningham's game. He is not always efficient. His three-pointer is inconsistent and will be stretched out even further behind the arc. I think he's going to be very good, but he can have flaws in his game. I don't know if those flaws are there for Evan Mobley. 
Yeah, I, I think he because Kate Cunningham, the Kate Cunningham train has just been like the, a thing all year. Evan Mobley has just been kind of under the radar as this maybe 80, like the player that could be potentially an AD, like a guy that could defend defend the paint and and operate in the mid-range and knock down threes and be that type of offensive player along with being a defensive like stalwart. Like I definitely agree with you on that. So and then my other guys, Jalen Suggs. I've loved him since the first game I watched him play at Gonzaga this year. They faced Kansas. And he took over that game, and he's done that all year or did that all year for a great Gonzaga team. Those are my two guys that I really want. I'm, I've talked myself into having doubts on Cade Cunningham, and I'm not sure I want the number one pick anymore because I, I, there, there's just something. I have this weird feeling about Cade Cunningham just kind of being not that guy. I, I, I get what you're saying. So, like, maybe it was because of the March Madness. He kind of – was uh, he didn't play as good as he probably should have, but I, I, I don't think the, I I don't think it's like like alarming, but I definitely understand. But yeah, like I can the guys I would like would be Mobley, uh, Green, Kaminga as my like three guys outside of the number one pick if the, if we happen to be in the top five. I, I'm not a huge. I like Green a lot really like green would not complain about that pick at all i'm not a huge fan of kaminga but yeah he's probably a little bit more raw but like if you're in like say five or six i would take him yeah all right we're just gonna have to see where the ping pong balls fall before we really get in more in depth of who do we want the cast to take but all right one last thing i didn't want to talk about it this week but we did have did you have a basketball game yeah how'd you guys do um, we ended up losing, but it wasn't the way you would think. Like, so what happened was, it, it sounds like an excuse, but like most of our guys ended up showing late, showing up late. And the, the team we faced is probably the best team in the league. So we, it was me and like four other guys that are probably our, our worst players, quote unquote. And none of us can really handle the ball at, at like a point guard. So the whole time they were like, uh, double teaming us, stripping the ball, just get just like it, it. We were behind the eight ball early and we just couldn't c- catch up. I think, well, like, we ended up losing by 10, but we, we probably, if everybody showed up on time, we'd probably be like, we maybe lose by five, and maybe like I would think it, it was like a five point difference if everybody showed up on time. I would think, yeah, we got smacked, <laughs> we got we got we got whacked we got whacked we didn't have our best player and we were only playing with five so we were missing two of our good players our two biggest guys so that didn't help anything most of our offense is chucking threes and letting our two big guys get rebounds and then they put it back up or we kick it out and shoot more threes that's about it we don't have one guy who's played high school basketball on this team so there's the skill gap there we need to be uh just big and strong and do the dirty work we didn't do that this week so we it was like we were down by like eight at halftime, so it wasn't like bad. And then they pulled it to 20, and then we got it back all the way to like six or seven. And then we just got tired. They, this one guy, he had four straight threes, he was seven eleven from three. What are you supposed to do about that? I mean, he was yeah. pulling from like just inside half court, and then like they they pulled it back right near 20, and then we kind of just quit. And then they kept full court pressing us still, of course. And, 
we, uh, um, we as in me, uh, might have lost my head a little bit towards that team. Might have lost. No, they did not give me a technical, but I was getting in fights during the game, after the game. I was just screaming at guys. This dude, he's like a little shorter than me. He's a twig. He, he's like, meet me outside. I'm like, all right, you little Youngstown looking Eminem trash. Just get out of here. Like, I'm sitting next to this dude who puts up 385 on bench. I'm like, yeah, let's go fight. I, I've got the best backup here. So, yeah, I'll take – and I could take this dude anyways. So, we'll be back this week. Hopefully better than that. Yeah, I, we should – yeah, I think we – as if everybody shows up on time, I think we'll be fine next week. Yeah, so – all right. Good show. Thank yep. you guys for watching. Check us out. Twitter, TikTok, like, comment, subscribe, rate us five stars. All right. See you guys. Peace.